0: It didn't come on the page for me.
1: Uh I got it, but it was it was definitely behind about 15 seconds or so.
0: Let me see if I can share it.
1: I'm just trying to share it, guys. My page, it's still
0: not coming up for me. Yeah, I'll go to your page. I can always um share from your page. There okay. you. Greetings, guys. I was just trying to share um, the podcast so everybody can see it because um, I know some people don't come to the page, the um, actual page, to see it. So, um, welcome to another episode of Theories and Thoughts Podcast with your hostess, Anya and Fancy. I felt like I just bit my lip.
1: <clears throat> so, how are you, honey? I'm okay. We, we've had so much rain here in this heat. It's just, I don't know. I can't complain. You? I'm good. I'm good. You know,
0: I actually was like, um, I started really trying to use my, my, my uh, planner. Well, yesterday I did a lot of different things. I redid my boutique website. Um, and I did some stuff because my best friend's about to turn 40 in August. I put together her little flyer and figured out where we was going to go for her birthday. And um, I just did a lot of things yesterday that I was I felt accomplished. And I actually wrote what I needed to get done today in my planner. And mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> And I, did. my
1: planner didn't start until July. And like, so now it's July, what, the 6th? And I have not opened it. I bought it last month, but I need to open it. And um just, but I've been doing a lot of writing out stuff. My best friend actually uh, had a birthday on Saturday. So um, I went out with her. I hadn't been out in a while. Oh, but, and you. I realized that like I was in the bathroom and one um, woman or girl helped another girl. And so uh the girl that was helped, she said, you know, yes, ma'am. And the woman was like, ma'am, I'm only 26. And the girl was like, I'm only 19. And I was like, oh, oh my God. God. Uh, <laughs> I, don't <need> to be, <laughs> I don't need to be in here. Like I feel old as I don't know what. So
0: did, girl, look at my head. It's, it's not behaving right now. Um, I went out for my best friend's Husband, I'm about to say boyfriend. Her husband's um birthday party on Saturday, so that's what I did. And Sunday for the fourth, um, I actually, um, I I laid around the house. Then I went to work, and then I laid back around the house. I was trying to decide if I was going to say anything about the fourth, but there were black soldiers that fought in that war, so I said for them, I'll acknowledge it. And what I realize is every year, because you know, time hopping the memories on Facebook, it shows you what you've put before, mm-hmm. and um, it said that I, I so I, clearly I post the same the same poem every year. I I too am American. No, um, I am American. I'm the darker brother. Mm-hmm. I too am American. I am the darker brother by um, Langston Hughes because although you know, it's so much going on. I am American. Whether they want me here or not, I just feel like I am American. So I celebrate Juneteenth. And for those soldiers who did fight in the war, some on the British side, some on the American side, for their freedom, I salute them. And so that's why, you know, so I did that. And I finished um, a book that I had been listening to cast. And um, I want to write, I think I'm gonna write a piece on it. I think Thing it was hard to get through, it was yeah. really hard. It's by El- Isabel Wilkerson, never heard of it. No. Um, well, Jamel was listening, was reading it, so you know. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I started um, the little black book of success or to success. Um, but this is the black women's guide to leadership, so I started listening to that on Sunday night as I was trying to go to sleep, and it's really good.
0: I wonder if that's the um, book that somebody sent me. And somebody sent me a book on impacts, uh-huh. How to your emotions and stuff. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, I am a, a super impact. Um, I took an impact sensitivity um, test. test today, and I got 32 out of 32. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was like, some people won't understand you, won't understand, you know, why you don't deal with certain people because of your vibe, the vibe that they're giving off and and why you can't be around certain people and you just have no, you can't do that, you know? And then I realized why so many times I've had people in my life that I just was like, I got to get from around them. And it were close people to me, people for years. And God moved them when I asked him to move them. So... That was that. Um, so that was what I did, and then I had money off from my full time job. Um, so Meg, Meg the Stallion, has partnered with Cash App to give one away one million dollars, um, which is a part um stock one million dollars in stock um, is as a part of her financial literacy um, camp. I'm so excited about that. Because so many of us need to get into it, especially at a younger age. You and I have been dabbling in it. You sent me that you had got a dividend back. I was excited for mm-hmm. you. I, just, I was like, what is she talking about? And then It took me a second. It took me a second to say, oh, she's talking about stock. And I have a friend who calls me and says, hey, buy this. You know, So it's really interesting. I'm not into gambling. And I feel like the stock market is gambling. But... Um, if she's teaching financial literacy and she's bringing it to the forefront, I'm all here for it, definitely. Especially one million. Can I get a, can I get a piece of that so I can
1: invest me? If you're well, here uh, late, because um, I think it's a great collaboration. And I was looking on the post that she made, and actually, like the latest date that I've seen, people were sharing the screenshots of the stock that they received. So most of it was about like. Um, $10, but it was like with Microsoft, um, AT&T and, uh, it looks like she stopped on the third, unless it's something else Mm -hmm. going on. But that was the latest, you know, the last screenshots that were dated, they were dated on the third. So I don't know if she reached the whole, what was it? 10 million? One million. One million. Okay. But goodness, it had to have been a lot of people though, if she was doing it at $10 a person. So I don't know. Hi, Empress. That's
0: just right,
1: yeah. Uh
0: huh. Hey, fancy sister. <laughs> Speaking of Houston, um, the Turkey Leg Hut has released a dress code, and I wanted to pull up their dress code and let's talk about it. Um, I feel <laughs> I'm <clears throat> Let me preface this by saying I'm one of my friends she put she was like I am so tired of y'all being upset with people trying to get y'all to look better. <laughs> she was like I was always taught not to leave out my house, not to leave out the house um you know without looking presentable. And it's almost like when people are being corrected especially black people, so I'm talking to my people on on a community thing, I'm not, you know, putting it out there because sometimes people will be like, oh, you know, you you try to reprimand somebody in No, I'm talking to my people. Um a lot of times to me, and these this is my opinion, this is not fancies. My opinion is every time somebody's trying to correct you, you got a problem. The people don't want you to have I'm looking, I think the part it said baggy jeans, baggy, baggy clothes. Um, I think it said okay, here it is right here. Found it. I should have had it already. Sorry, it says all body parts must be completely covered. Um, no swimwear, no house attire allowed, so that's wave caps, bonnets, do rags, bandanas, house shoes, shower caps allowed. Um, no exposed undergarments. So that means they don't want to see your draws, men. They don't want to see your bra straps and different things. No ex- um, excessively revealing clothing. Um, no obscene language or baggy clothing. That's that's what I'm seeing right here. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't see a problem with it. I don't, and maybe I don't see a problem with it because I am of a particular age, but even when I wasn't of a particular age. I probably wouldn't wear those things, a swimsuit to a restaurant to go get some food. Um, I definitely probably put a shirt, you know, put a cover up on, some shorts on, something like that. Um, The bonnet hole situation just annoys me. I don't understand why people take such offense because somebody don't want you. Here's my thing. What bonnets, I always felt like bonnets was to preserve your hair. So if you out in public... And what are you preserving your hair for? Maybe that's that's just how I feel. I don't see nothing wrong with the with the dress code. Somebody was like, you didn't made money by with on all these people. You've made you've made um all this money on all these black people, and now you wanna have an issue with the way they dress. And I'm like, maybe they're trying to change their image. I don't know.
1: Your take? So I was just going to say with the abundance, I think that people are more so trying to preserve their hair for a certain. It's not about this. It's about the setting. You know, it's not for that occasion. I don't wear bunnets out in public, but I do understand like people want to preserve their hair, especially like the way as much as people spin on their hair now. But at the same time, again, I don't wear buns out in public. So I, I don't know. That's just to me. It's not something that I just. I guess if i'm in i guess it depends on the setting and that might be when i'm actually noticing somebody having on a bunny and kind of thinking to myself oh they didn't have to wear that but it's just not something i care much about that's that's just me now that's for the bunnets as far as the turkey leg hood initially i was like with well, a name like turkey leg cut, what do you expect um i've never been there i then read all the comments that people were saying and i was more so shocked by the fact that it is a lot of people who earlier you mentioned someone saying something about like people telling people how to dress um i'm not gonna say they want to tell people how to dress but i guess that they just that they have opinions about how people dress and i wasn't aware that it was so many people that thought that way you know like oh you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that It's just, I guess I don't really go a lot of places. So, and I keep to myself more so. So I guess that's why a lot of these things are kind of new to me. And it's just like, okay, people have time to just sit and think about all of this with another person. But from a business standpoint, when I looked at all those comments that people made that were in agreement with Turkey Leg Cut, That made me rethink things. Like I don't know if they're trying to rebrand, but I would even say like if they're gonna do all that, then they need to change their name or something as well. Like maybe make it a little bit more classy. Because what I saw on a picture was like an actual hut, like a tent. Is that really how it's set up outside with no walls? I've never never seen somebody in the comments i think posted a, a picture of it and it was like a big tent like how you might have at a car dealership or something and, and then so they were saying that if they're gonna say that that they should also put some um they should do something about like well you know what they said they should expand the building so they said that so they do have a building but i guess maybe the waiting area is uh in a tent or something and then yeah. also they were saying that the lines were like wrapped around The corner. And so people were hot. That's the reason why they're wearing a lot of that because they're uh, waiting in these long lines. And I think that needs to be addressed as well. You know, like you can't just, you can. I think brands always have the freedom to rebrand. But if you're going to rebrand, also address the problems that, you know, don't just say, oh, we're going to put this out there and we're not going to look at anything else that our people are saying, you know, any other complaints that they're saying. So that's how, that's what I think about the turkey leg. I, I mean, I get that. I just, I feel
0: like if you don't like their dress cool, don't go. And I, and I, I stand by, it seems like our people always have a problem when somebody's trying to correct them. And then they get an attitude like, why are you trying to tell me what to do? And why um, I can wear whatever I want to wear. And that's including the bonnets. I've been in a restaurant, this restaurant around the corner from my house that I go eat um, crab legs at. And people be in there with a the on, eating crab legs. Wow. I mean, I have a uh, hat, you know, whenever I have my hair natural, I have a, a ring.
1: Deal that I put on my head, but it also yeah. preserve? I mean, I'm just curious. But does it also preserve your hairstyle when you? Yeah, do it?
0: because but it's a it's a a rain thing that I take off when I enter a building. I've oh. always let me tell something. My father used to work on the on the on the river. My father lived worked on the river, and when he came in the house, he took off them clothes. He took a shower and he put on some clothes. It's always been, you know, you look presentable, especially when you're walking out the house. Sometimes I'm not always, I might have on a house dress, but I'm not getting out the car. I'm probably just about to go, you know, through a drive-thru or something like that. I I don't understand why black people have such a problem with people trying to help or uh, trying to be like, hey, that's just like the Maho Monique thing when she was like, my babies, you know, we got to stop wearing these bonnets and different things. I just feel like, you know, whenever you keep seeing it, you do want to correct it. There's people at church that I that I go by and like the little the young ladies, and I be like, this is too short, don't wear this no more. And I just whispering in their in their ear, you know, this this a little this a little short or whatever. Because if we never get correction, we never know that we should be doing something a little bit different. And that's just how I feel. I'm I err on the side of I'm not sitting here worried about what you're doing, but your representation of me. And whenever they're looking at another black woman, that's just like with the Shakari situation. I know we're out of time because our guess is here. But that's just like with that. You know, they was already talking mess about her. And now it's like you play into that stereotype. But um we'll have to talk about that another time because our guess is here. Brianna said the way I grew up, we don't even wear sweats outside the house, even if you're traveling, travel cute. Hi, Mr. Curtis. Um, I had
2: Curtis.
0: It's so crazy because um, my old roommate, I had on sweats one day. He said, are you okay? I was like, yeah. I said, why did you say that? He said, because you have on sweats and I've never seen you with sweats on. And I was like, because I don't like sweats. I really don't like jeans. So I wear jeggings. You know, but I still want to be presentable. I have a girlfriend. If we're going to a play or something, I'd be like, you know, let's get cute. I'm always looking blah I want to look cute you know that's just like me coming on this on this thing with a headband all over my head like I'm I'm trying to preserve my hair I'm pres- what if I had came on here with my twists? like they was looking last week I did come on with my twist but there was a lot better than these twists was looking this time these was looking like some twists last week it was a style you know what I'm saying it's just
1: Hmm. I just I don't I don't know. I just don't care for being in other people's business like that. That's just me personally. I I is. But I just also when I say I want to have freedom, I want freedom. I don't want people to just I don't know. So it almost kind of makes me think about policing people's bodies. But in an establishment, if an establishment has rules, then I do believe in abiding by that. But let me um, go on and bring our guests in.
0: Hi. Great.
1: Hey, Portia. Hi, how you doing?
0: Good. Tonight's guest is um, Miss Portia. Um, She will be talking about Black women and breastfeeding. So Portia is also a Ron Eagle. Fancy. Ever
2: high. (laughs) Ever high all the time.
0: (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to have all my... But we have some really we have some really deep people who are doing some big things. So, Portia, go ahead and tell our audience who you are and what you do.
2: Okay, my name is Portia Williams. I'm a registered nurse and I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant. I have been working in maternal child health for the last next month is 18 years. Um, I became a lactation consultant because When I was having my baby, um, my first son was premature. Um, It was very traumatic and all I kept being told was that breast milk is best for him. Honestly, at 27, I had never seen a woman breastfeed. So I was like, what are you talking about? That's not how my family feeds. So as a mother, you wanna do what's best for your child. Also, there was no one that looked like me that was telling me to do this. So after I successfully, after I was able to successfully breastfeed my son, I wanted to learn more about it. Um, My family wasn't very supportive because they didn't breastfeed. So they didn't know how to help me. Um, I started studying breastfeeding. I started learning from the nurses around me. And I realized like to date, there are, I want to say there's about 80,000 lactation consultants in the country and Mm -hmm. only 80. And wait, only 18 of them, 1800 of them are minorities. That's not even 10%. So that's an area of growth for African-American women. On the flip side of that, if you guys have ever heard anything about the maternal mortality and morbidity crisis that's affecting women of childbearing age, black and brown women of color are three to four times likely to die or have an adverse effect maternal mortality and morbidity so when you start looking at the big picture in in states where women have high breastfeeding rates they tend to have low maternal mortality and morbidity which means women who are breastfeeding are giving their babies a foundation for greater health and it's helping them have better health so i started thinking about if we can narrow the margin and inverse the relationship then we as a culture can have better um Health. We have a lot of women that want to breastfeed, but the way we grew up and our cultural preferences stop us from breastfeeding. A lot of women are scared to breastfeed. We don't have a lot of positive breastfeeding role models. It's viewed as a burden. The formula companies have a lot of money, so their marketing is just great. So we want to empower individuals to give their babies the best. A lot of women don't know that breastfeeding decreases your blood pressure. It decreases uh, obesity, allergies, asthma, diabetes. You burn 500 calories a day breastfeeding, so you can snap back really quick. Um, right. The maternal attachment, like when your baby comes out and lays on your breast, you're a safe space for your baby. It calms your baby down. It helps you bond. The, the term skin to skin, which is amazing for moms, it's even better for dads. It helps dads form a maternal... A paternal bond did y'all see that picture of the rock with his baby with no shirt on with all the tattoos skin to skin Mm -mm. it's on nola baby cafe instagram please bless your eyes with that but what it does (laughs) for for men it increases their paternal attachment it it makes them more fidelity it it increases their chances of fidelity because it helps them bond with the family most of our education and our medical interventions are geared toward the mom and the baby, we kind of disclude the dad. So all that helps the family unit bond better. If you look at statistics, um, brown and, and women of color are breastfeeding three to four times less. So we're getting sicker and we're breastfeeding less. So we need to inverse that relationship. How do you do that? You create a safe environment for moms to learn about breastfeeding. It's not sterile, it's not a doctor's office. You know how we are. We we learn more on a Sunday evening at grandma's house or at auntie's right. house. Right. Places like Nola Baby Cafe, which is like a cafe, prior to COVID, moms can come in, bring their kids. So number one, if I come to your house to um, do a lactation consultation, I can charge 75 to $125 an hour. So it's a financial barrier, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a new mom, I have a small baby. I might can't get to your appointment on time if you give me an appointment. So we have a window of time that you can just drop in. If I have other kids, stair step of kids, and I don't want to I have to find a babysitter for the kids and then get to the appointment, then late, and then I forgot something. So you can bring you prior to COVID, you can bring your kids to the uh, baby cafe. They can play with other kids. You meet other moms and you learn from other moms. So it's a peer led activity with trained professionals kind of in the background for help. So a mom will walk in, um, why are you, you know, like, um, what are you coming for? And they'll say, well, my baby's doing X and a more experienced mom will say, Oh, when my baby did that, I did this. And another mom will say, well, my baby did that. I did this. So it's light at the end of the tunnel. You're getting knowledge, but you're not being judged or talked down to. So it's just a safe environment. And there are women who don't know about breastfeeding. Like honestly, I did it because I wanted to do it. And the more my mom told me not to, the more I did it. And the longer <laughs> I, is my son still breastfeeding? Yes, he's three. Yes, he's three. He's still breastfeeding. Yes, he's gonna keep breastfeeding until we're ready. Not it's no one else's business how long I breastfeed. And considering everything that's going on, we want to increase, give our kids any opportunity to excel, higher IQ scores, less um, asthma. My son who breastfed till he was four, me and my preemie caught COVID. We didn't have any symptoms, but that child that breastfed till he was four was in the house with us and he didn't have one symptom. He didn't have it at all. So it's greater immunity, it helps a bond, and it's just something only a mom can do for her baby. Like no one else can provide that's mom's superpower. No one else can do that for a mom. So just mm-hmm. ha- and everyone wants to breastfeed. They just need the the walls and the barriers broken down. I just did a lecture for Dillard called disparities. Like there are things, it's not always in our reach. If like if I want to breastfeed. But my grandma didn't breastfeed, my aunt didn't breastfeed, and these are all the people that are my support system, and they're saying, "I'm not gonna watch a titty baby." Then I might not breastfeed. And one thing we have to do, what I've seen in practice, is that if I'm helping a mom, and the grandma, and the Medea and the aunt are all saying, "Well, we didn't do that, and you turned out fine," instead mm-hmm. of back and forth with them, because you're not gonna win. You ask them open-ended questions like, tell me how you breastfed, tell me how you fed her. Well, you know, at charity, they didn't do all that. And you have to help them Mm mourn the fact they didn't get that opportunity. So I'll, I'll sometimes say things like, you know what, that's our fault. As medical professionals, we were focused on what we needed and we didn't give you that opportunity. However, we know better and her success depends on you. And if we can help you help her, then she'll be successful. With my first son, my mama came to the NICU with the rice cereal. She was ready to give a child who wasn't even breathing right, rice cereal. Because that's just culturally what we do, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of slowly, and that's stressful. If you're, that's the help you need. That's your support system. Mm-hmm. Some people have the energy to go back and forth with this person who I need. So I, I'm just going to give up and just do it their way. Because, you know, mm-hmm. in our culture, it's disrespectful to do something different. Right, right. the time my sister had her oh, baby, my mama was in the room, like a lactation consultant. And my sister tells me all the time, if you didn't breastfeed, I wouldn't have breastfed. So it's just creating those positive images about breastfeeding, educating us about our superpower. One thing that I don't want to not say is that we were nurses while babies laid on the floor. We wet nursed, yeah. like we nurse the slave mass kids. While our kids didn't nurse, so now we're in a space where we can do that for our kids. Mm-hmm. We it's it's our duty to you know educate and love our moms and give them the opportunity
1: and the environment to be successful at breastfeeding. Well, I um. I mean it seems like you're very passionate about it i one of my questions was was like when did you at what moment did you just decide that you were going to pursue this you know just the uh, like being a lactation specialist but you answered that question but now i better understand why you know as passionate as you are about this and the fact that you initially didn't know anything about breastfeeding so it was like this whole new world for you and mm-hmm. then and what you know inspired you to pursue it um i actually i didn't get to breastfeed with my kids what i did was um because i had three premiums and um i did i pumped and so i wanted to know um do you think like the benefits that i know that pumping you know they say that it's still good but i am certain it's not the same as breastfeeding it's breastfeeding um the organization like baby cafe um NOLA
2: Baby Cafe is one out of 160 baby cafes in the country. And we've changed our logo to include pumping, because pumping okay. is breastfeeding. And they're also trying to you know, use the word chest feeding, because you have moms who've had mastectomies that can't breastfeed. So what they'll do is use a little tube and tape it to their chest and um, feed the baby, through a supplemental system. So they're moving toward chest feeding. Any kind of milk that you get, any drop of milk that you get to your baby is considered breastfeeding. And you mentioned preemies. Um, another area of concern for the African-American community is that we have a lot of preemies. Right. Mm-hmm. And there is um, something called donor milk. Where in the beginning, when as mom milk supply is coming in, certain babies meet criteria to get donor milk. And our culture, it's taboo to get donor milk. The milk is pasteurized. It it's safe for the baby sometimes it's a process to get moms to want to utilize the donor milk when the studies show us that babies who get donor milk do better than babies that get formula oh wow and that, go, that goes back to the the notion of not trusting modern, modern medicine that they're going to put something in the milk that that um that's going to harm the babies but it's very beneficial for babies to have breast milk and then there's also more than one way you you mentioned that you pumped and put it in a bottle mm-hmm. that's an alternative way to get milk to a baby you can feed a baby with a spoon you can squeeze milk into a, and let it drip into a baby's mouth you can use a, a syringe there's more than one way to get the milk to a baby so when i'm talking to Mom, you brought up Shikara earlier i describe breastfeeding as a marathon and not a sprint and there's going to be some hurdles day by day And also you have to be realistic. We know what the American Academy of Pediatrics says. We know what the pretty posters in La Leche League say, right? But what does breastfeeding look like to you? How can you and your family incorporate this into your lifestyle and be your version of successful? Once moms realize that they have options and choices, the wall is lifted and they're not backed in a corner. It can't be black and white. It has to be what it looks like for you. For me, I was in a, a, a space where I could breastfeed my kids all day because I worked only on a weekend. There are other moms who don't have that luxury. So you have to give moms a game plan and a B and a C and sometimes a D to make this work.
1: Yeah, so you have to be able to adapt. But also, like you said, the support system is so important. It definitely is. It's it's a tap dance. Like you can't it's not cookie cutter. Every
2: person you speak to, you can't follow a script. You have to ask open-ended questions and listen and feel the family out and develop a plan for them. And that's how and that's what I've seen to be successful. And as far as families, you have to include the family, like one of the things we have done a lot is if there's a dad, cause there are some dads that view the breast as sexual and they don't want their partners to breastfeed or they're not sure they're gonna feel left out. Um, one of the things we've done, if we have a, a particular dad who's very pro breastfeeding because um, we don't want to bring a man to a group and have a bunch of women nagging him around. right. We get another dad who's breastfeeding supporter and you say, hey, can you get him to come and you let them kind of organically. Well, it's not organic because we hooked it up. But in their mind, you know, you know, and they get to talk to each other, dad to dad. So that works as well. And we've had some mother-in-laws that had their version of how their grandbabies were going to be fed. We had to kind of. We've been the bad guy. Like I'm going to get you together because this is really not your baby. I'm going <laughs> to give you some. You know, they want to be useful. You could cook a meal. You can clean the bathroom. You can, you know, do stuff to support the mom. But it's it's family center. And if the family is not on board, even siblings, we um like you'll help a mom and the siblings running around. If it's a toddler who's just very active, you give them a job. Like one time I was like, hey, mommy gets thirsty when she nurses. Right. So you are the water police. It's your job to keep her water and get snacks and the next time that baby came out, I mean the, the family came, I was like, how's your job? Oh, I make sure mommy has this. So you have to just find unique ways to incorporate the family into everything.
1: I don't I don't remember really if my family was um involved or not. I was a, a teen mom initially when I first started and I just remember um you know trying to decide. I think I started pumping not maybe late, but kind of it was like a gap in between because my son was in one city in the hospital and then I was in another uh, city in the hospital. But we got it done. But I remember um, just my I, my mom, I guess, was supportive. But I, I think there was a little pushback, not a lot and not a lot from other relatives. But I know I kind of um, remember some comments being made about it, you know. So I do understand. But at the time, I just didn't realize how Uh, significant the support system was, you know, all together throughout this process. And as you're talking about it, you are seeing like that's the main thing. You're not even just that the husband be supportive, but that those people around us that are constantly in our ears, are going to be supportive of the situation or either, you know, um, find some other type of method to get them on board. Basically, it's what you're saying. Sounds like it.
2: And it's beyond your family because you have to go back to work after six or 12 weeks, whatever you're afforded, Um, having conversations with your employer because there are laws that protect breastfeeding moms, getting a game plan and a schedule together to pump. And again, my schedule and your schedule may be different. So just having those conversations with moms or giving them game plans of how to express their milk when they're away from their babies and Like we live in a a festival city, right? So moms want to be able to have a normal lifestyle. One of the things that we do is we have community baby showers and we teach mom all this, of course, pre-COVID. I can't wait till we can get back to that. Um, We teach moms how to have a breastfeeding lifestyle. Um, We teach them how to carry babies on a parade route, how to pump um, their pump. um, Healthy, healthy start will have a pumping station. In certain, on certain parade routes. Um, we talked to them about, you know, going out that date after they after maternity leave and, you know, going out of town and doing things to have a normal life and breastfeeding. And we talked to, talk to moms about that as well. It's a social stigma with breastfeeding and taking your breasts out to breastfeed in public, but we live in a city where we can show our breasts for boobs. So it's like, it's contradictory. We have to support these moms.
1: Right. I wanna uh well Anya, I'm sorry, we about to say something I was trying to now go ahead, girl. I don't have no kids, I'm just listening. Oh, <laughs> I just to acknowledge some of the comments. So I see Calandra D. Valentine said, Hey Portia, or Miss Portia, and then uh I love you, Portia. And she also said women are magical. And then a priest was saying her husband used to just look and ask her a thousand times, "Do we hurt?" I didn't know that you breastfed either. Sis. So that's that's interesting, right and there. And I,
0: that's uh,
2: that's a stereotype. It's not supposed to hurt. So if it's hurting, that's an opportunity for a lactation consultant or someone to teach the mom a better technique. And another, I'm glad Tish Sean popped in because she reminded me something of the membership opportunity. Because you're breaking is there mind. are not a lot, a lot of
0: opportunity
2: for um if you're not medical.
1: Yeah. Are we good well, now? It sounds like it's say a little more.
2: Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So um now. Sean is one of, um, she was our intern when we started five years ago, and she worked with us and, met, and we mentored her, and now she's a certified lactation counselor. There are sometimes we get a lot of moms who come in for help, and they develop a passion for it, and if it's opportunities available, we do fundraisers and scholarships, and then they turn around and, and work and become birth workers in the community to help women like they were. So it's a lot of opportunities in that area.
0: That's beautiful. I know um, my day job at Bank of America. We have a breastfeeding room. They have a breast. It used to be like like this small closet looking thing. Now they have a suite, and yeah. <laughs> they have where they can <laughs> sit down. They have a rocking chair and all of these different things. My church even have a place where mothers can go and breastfeed. So I'm glad that the places that I go most of the time are very proactive when it comes to that. Um, What do you say? Because my thing is, I know a lot of a lot of mothers um, may not be comfortable with it because, you know, people there's always this. Why is she breastfeeding? Oh, she's scared. And, you know, um, I was talking to someone at work work with me at another job and she was just like you know just to know that i had a child underneath a blanket right here breastfeeding the guy just got all all, you know nervous and stuff and it's like i don't understand why you're getting nervous it's just it's it's breastfeeding maybe because i'm a woman
2: it's a social stigma and as women we have to support other women and eradicate that ironically you get more flack from women than men about breastfeeding and it's to each his own everyone has to have their own level of comfort um i i was an extended breastfeeder so after about six seven months that child was not it was popping off um my son would come up to me and say i want milky or when he was in uh pre-k he told his teacher i want milk and she bought him milk he was like oh no no milk comes from mommy and you know she was like are you still breastfeeding i was like yeah she was like okay so it's it's okay to breastfeed past a year it's really mom and baby's comfort level if you're not comfortable exposing yourself you have every right to cover up however the public doesn't have a right to judge you or ostracize you for giving your baby um What's best? Nobody's judging people for eating those McDonald's fries. That's killing all of us. So leave these moms alone. Um, They're so like you just just to be able to help a mom give her baby. Like for me, everyone like my dad had a stroke. My grandma had a stroke. My grandma on each side. So, you know, to be able to breastfeed and to be able to start my kids off with a foundation, I kind of take pride in that because it's a generational curse of unhealthy eating and poor health habits that we need to break. And breastfeeding is a way. And if you're not successful, that's fine. Um, we shouldn't be judging you at all. However, we get a lot of moms that come in and it's like, well, the first time I, I wasn't successful. And we talk about that. We we break it down. We we find things that um caused you not to be successful. And we try to give you tools to be successful this time, because a lot of things, if you grew up in a bottle household and a baby sleeping for four to six hours, and this breastfeeding baby is nursing every two hours, you think that's wrong because you're used to seeing a baby nurse for an extended period, I mean, sleep for extended period of time, but that's not always best to be sleeping so long. You want to get up and Increase your brain. Breastfeeding increases your brain activity. It increases your uh, IQ scores. It decreases the amount of SIDS, sudden infant death. It decreases allergies, asthma, and diabetes. I mean, we can literally go all day. In other countries, except for United States, mothers of AIDS, mothers who have HIV and AIDS are allowed to breastfeed their kids. We're the only country that does that. The only. The only in Canada, they get fifty-two weeks maternity leave. Like, so yeah. <laughs> they don't have a lot of problems with breastfeeding because you know you're close to your one year. You you've been home long enough to get everything in order. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of the vice president has have has made maternal mortality and morbidity one of her um, her initiatives, and there's a lot of efforts and bills being passed right now for to increase pay for doulas because the evidence shows us that having a support person at your birth decreases the chance having someone to advocate for you decreases your chance of having bad outcomes um you know paternity leave for fathers who need to take off and be that help that mom needs um the affordable care act increased risk pumps the insurance companies pay for breast pumps now. Like you don't have to, a breast pump can be 350 to $500 if you wanna get fancy. So there are a lot of things in the past five years that between the government and just um, outreach to increase breastfeeding. We just have to um, educate ourselves and support moms. I was lucky enough to tandem nurse. I had never known that 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 existed. Tandem nursing is is nursing two kids or like twins or nursing sequential kids. It wasn't a plan, it just happened. Like I forgot to stop breastfeeding. And I looked up and my 19 month old was was 19 months and the new baby was here. And I was like, well, what am I gonna do? And my lactation consultant was like, feed them. And I was like, how? And she was like, together. And I told my mom, I was like, hey, don't bring the 19 month old to the hospital. Like the whole time I'm in the hospital, just keep him home. What mom listens? Um, So she brought him to the hospital and I'm feeding the new baby, I'm just sitting there. And he looked and he pulled the chair to the bed, got in the bed, unsnapped my gown and started breastfeeding. And I was just started crying. I was like, what in the world is going on? And they did that for like seven months and nobody told me I was doing a good thing. Like why are you doing that? Why why why? There was no positive reinforcement. Unbeknownst to me, tandem nursing decreases sibling rivalry. It increases the bond. Like every night, like as the baby got bigger, he'd be holding the baby hand, and everyone else thought that was weird, but it was na- it was natural, and it really helped me because I had severe my blood pressure was high. So breastfeeding kind of calms you down and decreases your blood pressure. And it really helped me. And I didn't know that, but thank God I did it. And they nursed, my oldest nurse that he was two and my baby nurse that he was four. And I still get flack for it all the time. Girl. But they better breastfeed their kids. So that's all I know. Like they better not try to do anything
0: else. <laughs> I know one of my well, one of my coworkers, she breastfeed, but I thought she, she did stop in between babies. She stopped.
2: And sometimes you have to stop, because sometimes the breastfeeding will cause contractions or premature labor. Luckily, my doctor was very supportive of my decision, and I worked at a hospital. She was like, you know, I'm not going to tell you to stop, because if you get sick, you can just walk down the hall and, like, walk to a room. But if there would have been a problem, you know, we would have had to discuss that. But it just happened, and I'm grateful it happened, because I get to share and I get to encourage other moms to do it.
0: Right. Brianna says Brianna, Nicole Brown says, does it affect postpartum depression?
2: Breastfeeding the hormones, the oxytocin, it creates the, the attachment and it has been shown to decrease postpartum depression. However, there's a school of thought where if breastfeeding is stressful, it can cause postpartum depression. If that makes sense.
0: Makes sense. if they're not if they're having trouble with latching having on trouble
2: it. if they're having unrealistic expectations or they have heard a lot of uh um misconceptions about breastfeeding and they're not making those marks um like some if if they've give, been given misinformation and they're not hitting those benchmarks then they get they feel like a, as a, a failure as a mother you don't ever want to not do something for your kid, right? So if you're not making that mark, you take that very, very hard. Moms moms are moms go in the paint for their kids. Like they'll like we go to the doc, the doctor for our kids, but miss our appointments. So that is something that um you have to be careful for when you're giving moms advice because you don't want to appear joke. That's why those support groups like following um COVID exposed the fact that when the world kind of shut down, it created an environment of virtual, right? So a lot of platforms had to go virtual. So we, it expanded the reach. Like there's NOLA Baby Cafe. There's like NOLA Breastfeeding Center. And although we're based in New Orleans, we were able to reach people outside of New Orleans because we were virtual. And And that and that's an area of growth for healthcare like telehealth has um increased so right. that that opened up a, a window and i don't i don't think the virtual part will go away anytime soon
0: yeah yeah i do therapy virtual yeah therapy with my um my counselor this I is just,
2: like, go ahead one of the things that um as moms and as women we have to know that it's okay not to be okay Right. Like it's okay to need help. It's okay to ask for help. And and that's why that cafe or that mother to mother environment is great because like AA or a support group is a social stigma with that. Mm-hmm. But if there's a safe environment where you can just, cause like we would have like coffee, iced coffee in the summer, hot coffee in the winter with snacks and, and you just like sitting around socializing and you tend to open up more as because, you know, how many times have you gone to the doctor's office and when you get in a call, you're like, God, don't forget, I forgot the X, A, B, C, D, and E. But when you're in a social setting, you're just like, we find that the moms are just vomiting key information that is needed and you get to collaborate with the healthcare professionals to make sure that the team is working together for what mom needs. That's why our partnerships with, with hospital are very important. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, is there anything else that you um like to include, well, you know, let us know before we wrap up, Portia? No,
2: thank you for giving me the opportunity to um share this information um, with moms. Um they can follow Nola Baby Cafe on Instagram and Facebook and um follow us. You can send messages. Um we um we meet three times a week virtually Monday evenings um at 615 to 815. It's NOLA Baby Cafe Toro, which is sponsored by Toro Infirmary. Um, it's a partnership with a hospital to provide care and navigation, breastfeeding support for their patients. On Tuesdays at 12 to 2, we have a partnership with WePlate, which is a um, child development center that increases uh, positive play and cognitive development. And Wednesdays, we are in the uh, National Birth Equity Collaborative Office. If a mom needs help, they can send us a message. Sometimes we can set up appointments outside of the window of the virtual times. Well, that's really awesome.
0: Her information is scrolling at the bottom, it is spelled N O L A B A B Y C A F E on IG and on Facebook. Girl, I went straight to your IG to find that picture, and I ain't find it. I'm gonna find it though. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I'll send it to you, and also I, I look forward. Um, we have some events coming up. Um, we have a partnership with the with the WW Kellogg Foundation. It's called I Am New Orleans, and there's an event in August called um, A Breastfeeding Friendly City is a Baby Friendly City, and that celebrates World Black Breastfeeding Week. And in November, there it's Prematurity Awareness Month, so it's just talking to moms about prematurity and breastfeeding and how breast milk is vital for preemies So we would love to come back and talk to you guys about that.
0: Sounds good. Um you sent me the information too. So send me the flyers. Yeah. i get fancy, we'll work that whole thing out. Um see how it fits in the schedule and everything. And if not both, one of them you come back. Thank y'all so much for y'all your time. You're welcome. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a lot like all the questions that I had, you answered it without us even asking. So that was a yeah. lot yeah, and I appreciate that. So for any mother, even for me, um, Calandra said, thank you for the great information. Even me, you know, if I decide over 40 to have a kid, you know, that was like great, great information. But I don't think that's in my future. So well, you never know. Bye, Portia.
2: Good night. Good night. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> i don't know where this cough coming from i ain't not take my sinus pills that's what it is and it started raining you said it was raining there it started raining while we were on so the change in the weather always get me sick anywho portia was such a great guest you guys i hope you guys got all that information follow her follow the page nola baby cafe on both facebook and ig i'm following and um we'll be sure to send to give you guys the information of the two events that's coming up um excuse me as well as for me oh look y'all i found i got my cup i'm back home so i found my cup Uh, uh, uh. i'm so excited about that anyway um as you know you can find me on my linkedin my link tree which has my LinkedIn and it is Lady CEO L A D I CEO. I am on Clubhouse. Um, I pop in. I heard you ask a question this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you come in for a minute. I didn't. Uh, once I got to talking, I didn't look back down. So, but I did uh, see you come in the room.
0: Facebook is so intrusive. It tells you when people talking what group what page. Name. Why? What if I don't want nobody to know what page I'm in? How about right. That? it's going to tell it if you following them it's going to tell it so you guys can find me there i did just um do a um a whole revamp well kind of a revamp on my website for miss things boutique so you can find that link also in my link tree fancy
1: um, so you all can visit my website, my media site, swagger.net. That's s w a g h e net. Mm-hmm. Um, also on all platforms, I am fancy swagger, and my link tree is fancy with an s thoughts. Um, as well as I am also on Clubhouse, so I'm trying to get back more into it and start. I don't know, I, I want to moderate my own room and time, but um. I'm just preparing for that. So give me a follow if you are on there and I'm trying to follow people back as well. And I think that's, that's everything. Cool. Yeah. I haven't been listening because I wanted to get
0: get through with that book. And then I have a, um, another book by, um, LBJ, not LBJ. What's this woman named? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, in her words, I'm trying to get through that also. So I haven't been able to listen to, I haven't been able to listen to my podcast, anything. Um, also, you guys know that we are looking for sponsors of different segment for of the podcast segments and of the t- the talk show. We did complete our season number two, so if you are interested, <clears throat> send any suggestions or um, you can email us at theoriesandthoughts@ladyceo.com if you're interested in sponsorship. We'll send you information. It's on the low low. I feel like it's on the low low. So, yeah. of those offers. Anything else fancy? Uh, no, that's everything. Next week, we will have, um, Denise Carson, if I'm not mistaken. She has a book that she'll be telling us about and how she gets, what made her write the book is really interesting. And, um, I'm really excited about that. So you guys catch us is, um, something about doubt and fear, getting past doubt and fear. So if you're dealing with those things, you come right back next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Bye. Bye.